As you're returning to your seats, this being Mother's Day, I want to tell you of a true story of a mother who prayed for over 20 years for her, her son. He was backslidden. He was a prodigal. I saw prodigals on our list today. Thank you, Sister Nancy, for leading us in prayer as you did. I saw prodigals up there, and it reminded me. I think it was 22 years exactly, and there was a, it was a Sunday night service, and all of a sudden she stopped the service, and she said, we got to pray right now. I feel God's doing something. And sure enough, six or seven states away, God was touching her son, and God brought him back to the truth, brought him back to the church that very night. She had 22 years faithfully had prayed. Every time there was a prayer request service, pray for my son. Every time there was a ladies prayer meeting, pray for my son. Every time she could put a a word out somehow and tell somebody pray, she was praying. 22 years and God brought him back. So I want to tell some mother who's praying for a need, who's praying for a loved one, don't stop praying. Because when God gives you a word, it's ever settled. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated just for a moment. My wife is going ahead and coming on up here, and uh, I want her to to speak today. But I want to just brag on her for a minute, because I know she would never do so on herself. But she is a very selfless individual, and uh, her number one love language is acts of service. And so uh, husbands take note of this. I've learned to say I love you is I'll do the dishes, I'll uh, vacuum, I'll fold the laundry, I'll put it away, those things. And when she comes in and sees that, she hears, I love you. Well, because of that, when you have a love language, you also give that love language. So this morning, for example, instead of being in here, she was helping in the nursery because she loves to serve. And Wednesday night, she was willing to go pick up somebody that needed to be picked up for church because she's willing to serve. And if you've ever been to a community dinner like we'll be in a couple of weeks, you know, you'll see her dishes and vacuuming and, and usually the first one here, last one to leave. And I'm not saying that many of the rest of you don't serve as well, but this is what she loves to do. So there, I've got all the bragging out. I could say a lot more, but I know that God has a word in her heart to share with us today. Amen. So would you make welcome my wife, Sister Shannon Powell. That makes me very uncomfortable because I love to be in the behind helping everybody else shine. Um, So first of all, happy Mother's Day to every lady in this building. Mother's Day is a wonderful celebration of womanhood, but the day can have the unfortunate effect of isolating women who are not moms in the maternal sense of the word. But motherhood is more broad than someone who has necessarily just birthed, and I don't want to say just, because birthing into the world is a very amazing experience, but those are not the only mothers. According to dictionary.com, motherhood is having obvious and exceptional virtue Miriam's dictionary says, it defines a mother as, is to bring up with care and affection. Not birth moms, step moms, God moms, foster moms, dog moms, Sunday school moms. We all share one of the toughest jobs in the world and get very little credit for it. So to all of you wonderful, beautiful ladies in the congregation today and to those online, I want to wish you a very heartfelt happy Mother's Day. I want to give honor to my own mother, who some of you saw last week. Thank the Lord she arrived 
I can't say she arrived safely, as some of you may have saw. She had an unfortunate accident while on a certain airline. Um, and so her week was a bit unnerving. But um, So I give honor to my mom. She was one of the best moms in the whole world. I was very annoyed as a child many, many, many times waking up to my mother downstairs, praying and talking in tongues very loudly. Not something I appreciated then, but I certainly appreciate it now. Um, I want to give honor to my husband. I want to give honor to my mother-in-law, my children. I am a very blessed lady, and I'm thankful for that. And I'm blessed by all of you beautiful ladies. Um, so happy Mother's Day. A man stopped at a flower shop to order some flowers to be wired to his mother, who lived 200 miles away. As he got out of the car, he noticed a young girl sitting on the curb sobbing. He asked her what was wrong, and she replied, I wanted to buy a red rose for my mother, but I only have 75 cents, and a rose costs $2. The man smiled and said, come on in with me, dear. He said, I'll buy you a rose for your mama. He, brought the, he, he bought the little girl's rose and ordered his own mother's flowers while he was at it. And as they were leaving, he offered the girl a ride home, and she said, yes, please, can you take me to my mother? She directed him to the cemetery, where she placed the rose on a freshly dug grave. The man returned to the flower shop. He canceled the wire order. He picked up a bouquet of flowers, and he drove the 200 miles to his mama's house. So note to all of us, if you have a mama that's on earth, honor her today, one way or the other. And I'm thankful that my mama's here. We had a few scares over the last few years, and so every year is a, is a real treasure for us, and so I am so thankful. So today I'm going to take my text from Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. It's kind of a long text, and I will read it, and then as, this, as I go on, I'll address different verses. And on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the pillow. What a wonderful place. How many of you go through storms of life and you wonder, where are you, Jesus? I assure you, he's on your boat. He might be asleep with a pillow, um, but he's there. And they awoke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Then he arose and he rebuked the wind and he said to, to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the seas obey him? So my title to this morning is Little Boats. And I unfortunately did not get to hear um, Sister Alicia's wonderful message, but I have heard all kinds of comments, um, and I did get to hear a little bit of it online. But I can tell you, her and I did not collaborate in any way, and so I believe the Lord has a message for, it, it started with me. I can tell you, this message birthed in my heart. It's something I had never seen before. Um, and so, just know that, that I believe the Lord is maybe trying to talk to a heart or two here this morning. So if you can join me in prayer this morning. Lord Jesus, this is your church. 
It's not mine. You and your word alone can save, deliver, and heal each one of us. You know every struggle and you know every issue. You know the pain. You know, God, that, that what people woke up with this morning, that it's Mother's Day. And sometimes that's a happy day, but for many, it's a very sad day. God, your word is anointed and appointed for this time. Now on the authority of your word, I bind every spirit of hindrance and loose your anointing to fill this place this morning. Without you, God, I am absolutely nothing. So let there be a demonstration of your spirit and power. Confirm your words with signs following. Let me walk in your spirit and not in my flesh. Lord, and I thank you for letting me be a minister of your voice this morning, God. And I pray for each one of us here. Open our hearts to hear. Let the seed of your word be implanted upon our hearts, God. Don't let it just hit soil that just on top and then the surface, and then it gets washed away. But God, I pray every one of us will hear what Sister Alicia preached this morning, what I'm fixing to say this morning, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as many of you know, others is the word for TCOO for the year 2023. I don't know what you think about when you think about others. When I think about others, I think about you. I think about my husband. I think about people that have never stepped foot in our church yet, but that are on their way sooner than later. I think about connection. I think about, I just, I, I literally love most humans. When I go into store sometimes, I just think, oh, I just wish I could, just that person looks like somebody. I would really like to know their story. Um, and so what I want to say is, is that sometimes when we go through the storms of life, how many of you have ever felt alone? We can look around in a, in a congregation this size, and, and it's so easy to feel alone. And, and, you know, one of the frustrations I have as a counselor, such as that is, um, is that people will say, oh, you, to, for connection, you just go, just go get around people. And what they don't understand is, is that true connection isn't about the amount of people that are in a room, but it's about truly being able to connect one with another, connecting with our children, connecting with our spouses, connecting with other ladies in the Sunday school, people on the praise team. Um, it's, it's having that ability to not just be in a room with other bodies, but to be able to see others, see their story, see where they've been, see who they are, see what pains and what their fears are and all of the things. So when each one of us go through storms, every one of us has what I like to call storm theology. Storm theology is what you believe about God when storms come brewing into your life. It's during these horrible storms that we are faced with what do we believe about God? What do I believe about God? When things are going great and going wonderful, it's real easy to believe all the wonderful things about God. But what happens when the storms of life come ruin? Do we believe that God is a good God, even on the good days and the bad days? Do we believe that we are alone, or do we believe that we are alone and that we're the only one that's going through the storm? Do we believe that we're alone and no one cares whether we survive or whether we, we, we die in this storm. We, my sister and I are from Maine. Our brother is a Maine lobsterman. We've been out on the sea a few times, and there's been days when it's been nice and calm. And I can tell you, when you go out on those seas and the storms come rolling in, it is not a very fun, safe place to be. Storms of life have the ability to bring the surface to what's really going on inside of us. Storms will reveal to you whether you live by faith or whether you live by fear. Storms will, re will reveal whether your heart is full of truth or whether it's full of doubt. The way we react to God during storms reveals the truth about ourselves, whether we want to see that or not, whether we want to believe that or not. 
I want to focus on verse um, 36 in Mark chapter 4. I've heard many different sermons preached on this particular passage. I'm sure many in this room have heard all kinds of different stories about when the disciples and Jesus were out on the boat, and there he was with a pillow sleeping in the belly of the boat. I've heard perspectives at some points in our lives that God calms the storms, and he sure does. At other point in our lives, God calms his children. He does that too. That's an accurate interpretation. However, something that maybe you have always seen it, and I am just the one that didn't, but I had never before noticed, is that while the storm was brewing all around the disciples, maybe they felt alone. Their boat was not the only boat in that storm being affected. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. Here's the part that I really want to, that my whole sermon is focused on this morning. And other little boats were also with him. How many times do we forget about that? That when we're going through life, we think we are completely alone. We feel like nobody cares, nobody's there. But not only are we not alone, but we've got these little boats behind us. Mamas, daddies, Sunday school teacher, youth ministers, we've got to, we, we're not alone. And the enemy's lie is to make you believe because you feel alone that that somehow becomes your truth. You're never really alone when you suffer. Other little boats are going through the exact same storm and they are depending on you to ride through that storm and to get through it alive. Jesus said that he would never leave nor forsake you. So when the enemy comes in and he lies to you and he whispers, nobody cares, nobody's there. First of all, that is a lie. Jesus said he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. But remember, in that lake, there was more than just one boat. There was all kinds of people going through. They weren't somehow under one cloud of storm. If one big boat was going through the storm, they were all going through it together. David wrote, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So don't buy into the, le the lie of the enemy that tells you that you're alone, because you are not. And I know sometimes I myself get so engrossed in my own journey, I get so engrossed in my own purpose and my own life and my own stuff, that I feel alone sometimes. It, I know that's hard to believe. But I know my, my heart and my, that's cognitive distortions or cognitive dissonance, actually, when your heart and head believe two different things. When your head's saying, okay, Shannon, you're not alone. But sometimes your heart says, oh, but it sure does feel like I'm alone. I have to remind myself that other boats are all around me going through the same storm that I'm going through, and they are depending on me to get through that storm. When I read this passage, it got me to thinking, I don't think this storm was only about the storm. Why would this one little sentence be placed in there? I don't think it was for nothing. I don't think this storm was even necessarily about the journey. The scholar on the front row might dispute me and listen to him if he does. I'm not even so sure that the storm was about the destination. What I see this morning, and all of those are really good preaching points, and they do preach, but I think the storm may have been about those little boats that were also on the water that day with the big boats. So stick with me here. <laughs> it's easy to feel like we're alone. So therefore, we must go through it alone. When we go through a storm alone, we may not notice that, the, that there are these little children of ours, these little Sunday school kids of ours, these little teenagers, all of the things that are depending on us. They're riding behind us, and they are dependent upon you to get through the storm. Storms don't mean you've missed 
uh, that, that you've, I'm sorry, storms don't mean that you have sinned. In Mark chapter 4, verse 37, and a great windstorm arose and the waves beat onto the onto the boat so that it was already filling. This is what I'm here to tell you, folks. It rains on the just and it rains on the unjust. And just because we're in the middle of a storm does not mean that we have somehow missed God's will and that we're somehow, there's something wrong with us. It's gonna rain on every one of us from time to time. And if we can just get that perspective and to say, God, you're watering my flowers right now, or you're teaching me perseverance, or you're teaching me to persevere during times when it's rough. The enemy wants you to get out there in the middle of the storm and say, see, everybody's left you. Everybody, there's nobody, there's no reason to, to continue. There's a lot of reasons, and that is a lie from the enemy. Everybody goes through storms. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your name is. I don't care how famous you are. I don't care how big your church is. Every person goes through storms. So don't fall to the lie of the prosperity gospel that says just name it and claim it, slap it and grab it, and all of these things. Those are some of the most shallow humans and Christians you will ever meet in your life. You give me someone that has been through some storms and I can show you some purpose. I can show you some pain that was turned into purpose any day of the week. Some believers think that they're exempt from all suffering because they are born again. They believe suffering is a, is a sign of a lack of God's blessing. Don't believe that lie. It's out there. There's lots of places you can go. Just send them your money and they'll tell you anything you want to hear. But the truth is, you're going to go through storms. So if this were true, why did the first century church endure persecution? Why were they, were they not blessed? Unspeakable joy comes from facing persecution and being able to rejoice through it anyway. Just change your mindset. I know that sounds easy to do, but you know what? When you get on your face before God, you get in the word of God, and you start walking around, and you start encouraging yourself in the Lord, you turn on some worship music, it is really amazing how quickly you're, whoa, you know, woe is me. And, I, and listen, I know things are real. I am not, that's not a way to make fun. I'm just telling you, when we go through the molly grub, sometimes it's easy to do those things. And what I'm telling you is, encourage yourself in the Lord. Get up off that couch and say, God, who can I witness to today? Some of the best experiences I've had is on my worst days. I'll say, not today, Satan. And I will walk, I'll say, Lord, where are you sending me? I can't tell you how many times this has happened, and those are the times when I'll get into a meaningful conversation. My own mother's laying there with blood coming out of her eyeball, and her eye is awful. And there she is witnessing to anybody and everybody, and I'm over there saying, oh, God. <laughs> like, Mom, would you rest? I don't even know what's going on in that brain of yours. Like, literally, they needed to do CAT scans. And there she was telling everybody about the goodness of God. And she said, Shannon, it doesn't matter if this was the one reason that God put me through this situation. She said, I'm all in. And I was, and here the daughters were not very happy, to say the least. Um... You will sometimes face uncertain circumstances. Storms will toss you to and fro, and life will be difficult. However, when the storms rage, remember the words of King David where he said, Weeping may endure for a night, but oh, does joy come in the morning. How many of you know that God's mercies, they're new every morning? And sometimes we need those things. How many of you have had one of those days and I get up the next morning and I say, God, thank you that this is a brand new day. I might have yelled at everybody in my path yesterday. I stubbed my toe. I knocked over the milk. My poor husband went running to his, his study to hide from me. <laughs> but by golly, today is a new day. And weeping endured yesterday, but today, joy, it's the morning, and joy is here. And God, your mercies for me, they're new. Even though I fell, even though I wasn't really the best image of you today, 
God is still ready to give us new mercies every morning. Storms, my third point this morning is storms have purpose. Have you wonder, ever wondered why you're here? Why am I in this church? Why am I alive? I get that question a whole lot on a day-to-day basis. Why, Shannon? Why? Life is just so mundane. I have no purpose. I have, and that's the problem is most of our young people today have no purpose. And that's why you're seeing some of the things that you're seeing in our wonderful school systems. Why is our church here? I believe with all of my heart that this is the part of the reason why the church exists. We're situated right here in this neighborhood, in this community for a reason. We're set up as the vessel that's carrying Christians to the, uh, we're, we're carrying Christ, I'm sorry, to the world to help bring other little boats to the other side. Not just even in this community. You, you are, God planned you and planted you in your homes as the mom, as the dad, as the uncle, as the aunt, as the grandparents. You have purpose every single day. In the midst of our stormy seas, whether we are in the gentle ebb and flow of rolling tides or in the midst of one of life's more violent storms, we're not by ourselves. Remember that. We have little boats riding along next to us and behind us who depend upon us. We have to be very careful that in our times of frustration with God or someone sitting on the pew or a song that the praise team sang or something the Sunday school teacher said, as we're bailing out water, we're bailing it out of our boat, that we're not throwing that water onto some little boat that can't handle that kind of water because it will sink their boats. As you bail the water out of your storm-battered life, you're pouring it into little boats sailing behind you and beside you. It's so easy to sound off. It's so easy to get in the car or at this dinner table and to say the things that we feel because sometimes those things are true. I'm not saying, I'm not trying to minimize that, but there's a place and a time for things. And talking in front of little Johnny or little Susie, as you're bailing your angry water out of your boat, you're dumping it into theirs. They can't handle that. They can't handle that. Little boats, they're following you. Little boats, they're watching how you handle your storm, Mom. They're watching how you handle your storm, Dad. Little boats don't have the resiliency that you have. Little boats are looking to you for their faith. In your desperate bailing and throwing your water overboard, please, I beg you, Moms, I beg you, Dads, don't flood the little boats. Little boats are looking to you for their faith in your desperate bailing and throwing a water overboard. Remember the littles beside you. Little boats don't have that same relationship with God that you have. They don't have the living experience of the 23rd Psalm in their lives that says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you're with me. They haven't lived through enough storms to know that a thousand may fall at thy side and 10,000 at thy right hand, but it shall come nigh to thee. They haven't lived it because they aren't big ships. They're just little boats. And that's what they're, they're doing, what they were created to do. They're not big ships yet. They're not ready for, for, for high tide, if you will. These little boats are braving the storm just like you are. And they are watching how you respond in your bailing. They see how you act in faith or not. The little boats making it to their destination is directly dependent upon you and what you do. Whether you know it or not, mom and dad, you might be the only big ship that somebody is watching. They're following you. They're learning their faith in God from watching you. They're depending on you to get them to their destination. And you know what that destination is? 
They need you to get to their destination, to get to the other side, and that is heaven. And everything that you do, everything that you say, that little, we think, oh, it's just a comment. Those little brains, I'm telling you, early, it's the earlier, the, the more damaging it is. Don't do it. If, 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 you have to put tape over your mouth. You have to say, I'm going to go for a long run or take a hot shower. I don't know what you got to do. But get out of the vicinity of those little boats. If Jesus calmed the storm for a big ship, do you think it would calm the storm for the little ships too? If you're in a storm on a sea and your storm gets calmed, what do you think it's doing to those little boats around it? Do you think it's having any effect? Do you think if your storms are brewing, do you think it's also affecting those little ships beside you? Maybe the storms in your life are partly so that God can demonstrate the life of faith to the little boats that are all around you. Maybe God is wanting them to see the power and the evidence of faith and the Holy Ghost and all of those things. Right here in this church, seated next to you today, are a host of little boats who are watching you. They're watching your worship. They're watching your, how you respond to offense. They're watching your reactions to the storms, to the things that people say to you. They're watching when it's church time, what does the big ship do? Because we're following the big ship, and wherever the big ship goes, as goes the little ships. Because they're following you. Your example is what they have to follow, for better or worse. Can the little boats trust you to save them during their storms? Are you willing to be a lifeboat for the saving of someone else? We have talked a lot in the last few weeks about connection within this church, and I'm going to tell you, the clinical side of me, when I go into therapy with people that have been through trauma, I'm going to tell you the number one, and I already spoke about this on a Wednesday night, people need connection. They need an un judgmental person to love them and to not care who they are, where they've been, what they've done. They need somebody that can connect in with them and bring them back up into a place of calm, a place of connection. Will you be a vessel of honor during the times of storm that when people come into and their lives are brewing in storm? Will you be that, that calm? Will you bring calm to their storm? Can God depend on you? Can he depend on me to be there for that person, to bring a place, to be a hope of healing? In the early morning of April 15th, 19 and 12, the ocean liner, the Titanic, sang, sank on her maiden voyage after hitting an iceberg. We all know the story. The ship carried just over 2,200 people. More than 1,500 people perished on that day. The main reason for the high death toll was that the ship had only 20 lifeboats. As they pulled away from the sinking ship, many were only half full or even less. Can you imagine if your mother could have been on a boat that was only half full? Your daughter? Even if all had been filled to capacity, only half of the people would have been saved. Why, did the Titanic carry, why didn't the Titanic carry enough lifeboats for everyone on board? Well, there were several reasons. Titanic's original design called for 64 lifeboats. That number was later cut in half, then nearly half again. The ship's owner felt that too many lifeboats would clutter the deck and obscure the first-class passenger's view. The ship sailed under safety regulations that originated nearly 20 years earlier when the largest 
passenger ship weighed 10,000 tons. The Titanic was more than four times that size and amount. Yet officials maintained that ships had become much safer now. Revising the regulations was therefore unnecessary. Under those regulations, the Titanic actually had four more lifeboats than she was obligated to carry. Nearly every other vessel of that era was similarly deficient in the quantity of lifeboats. The prevailing thinking at that time was that the ship itself would serve as a gigantic lifeboat. Nearly everyone believed that even a heavily damaged vessel could remain afloat for many hours before sinking. That would allow for plenty of time for the lifeboats to go back and forth several times, ferrying passengers to nearby ships. The flaw with this assumption was that the Titanic sank far more quickly than anyone ever anticipated. The first rescue ship arrived more than two hours after the Titanic had gone down. In 2012, an explosive document emerged. It consisted of safety inspector Maurice Clark's handwritten notes urging the addition of 10 more lifeboats five hours before the ship sailed. The ship's owners wanted to leave on time. Clark was threatened with first being fired unless, unless he kept his mouth shut. If the owners had followed his advice, almost 700 more people would have survived. I read that story and whew, I wonder, are we more concerned that too many lifeboats are gonna clutter the first class view of our ship? Think about that for a minute. Think about when people come into this church and maybe they don't look like we do. Maybe they don't talk like we do. There's lots of things that can divide, if you will. But is that, is that what we are as a church? Do, are, we, are we more concerned about the first class group of us or not? Do we think that, we have done, that what we have done for the past 24 years at this church will be adequate to handle what our kids and world are facing today? It's a whole new textbook, people. I sit in my office every day, and I, if I didn't have the cognitive ability to just manage my face, I, my mouth would just drop open the things that they're teaching, the things that our kids are going through, the things that people in this world are facing every day. When they come onto the Titanic, if you will, what are we going to meet them with? Are we more concerned about what things look like, what things smell like, what things are behaving like, or are we more worried that we get passengers onto this ship and we can get them into the little lifeboats and we can save them and bring them to heaven? We've got to think about what our priorities are. Do we have enough little lifeboats and drivers for those lifeboats to help save the little boats that may be lesser than you, who may not be as mature as you? Or are we too concerned with worrying about ourselves, our lives, our kids, our college, our practices. Little boats are the first to be destroyed in the storms of life. And parents, don't think that your storms are only affecting you. They are affecting the little boats that God has placed in your care and in your charge. Your big ship might make it through these storms. But what about your kids? There was a time in my husband and I's life, and I'll be very vague because I don't know who listens to these things, but the year was 2004. I did not get permission to share this story. And some very close friends of ours, but probably more so my husband's, had walked this way of life. They had believed it. They had preached it. We had served together in different capacities on the main district in that capacity. And I can remember phone calls that my husband was getting from these 
a couple, I think there were two in particular, that had a lot of influence over this man. And they, they were starting to think that the old ways of, do, you know, that we, we could just kind of go along. We, we didn't really need all of those old regulation things. And not that it was even all about regulation. I'm just saying some of their core beliefs about things that we believed with them no longer were the same. And I can remember saying to my husband, babe, if this isn't what it's cracked up to be, and we, and, and we go down this road with these friends of ours, and we, we decide that, th that there's a different way, a path that's a little less hard. What about our kids? What if when we come back, if ever, if we get down there and we decide, oh, this isn't what we thought it was, or whatever, what, what about our kids? What, what? And I... And, and I, and, and I think that's always been a driving, and I'm not here saying, look at me, look at my kids, they're perfect. God knows I know that they're not. And I think you guys know that I know that they're not. But they're good kids. And I, and I just said, what about our kids? And I can remember that next year, my husband, I believe it was that next year, he refused to read any book because they were giving him books and stuff that can really warp your mind. And he said, I'm going to read the Word of God for one year. I'm not reading another book. I'm going to read the Bible for one solid year. And I can tell you that was 2004. So what's that been? Almost 20 years ago. I can just, let me just tell you, I am so grateful that somehow God was able to speak to us and say, what about our little boats? We might make it to the other side somehow, battered and bruised and get there. But what about the little boats? Are they going to make it through that storm of our life? There are little boats watching your response to the storm. There are little boats watching as you bail water. There are little boats all around you in your home, in your Sunday school classes. They're sitting next to you today. You walk by them in the store. Did you know that you're a hero to some little boat? You're an example to some little ship. Your attitude is going to affect the rowing of some other little boat. Your demeanor is going to affect the destination of that little boat. How can our purpose which is to be, hopefully, is to be his hands and his feet. How can our purpose, what if, is what, how can we make it that, what, that our purpose becomes what heals those little boats and helps those little boats all around us? Who can you mentor today? We have people in this church that are single mothers. I don't know, some of you may not understand the life of a single mother. Single mothering is hard. You know what those little ships need? They need some dads, some men that won't abuse them, that will go out and do some real good things with them and teach them and train them and love them and teach them the man things. Because you know what? While our single mothers are trying everything in their power to be all things to all people, they can't be a man. I'm sorry some of you might disagree with me, but moms are moms, dads are dads, and they have different purposes in life. And so if you see a single mother sitting on the pew and she has no, there's no dad in the home, those little kids are crying out for someone to come along. You talk about needing purpose. These are areas that we can find purpose. Maybe a woman can go give a, a single mom a break for an afternoon and say, go get some coffee, go shopping, go do some things. Let me, let me, let me drive those little boats for you for a bit. So as I'm coming to a close, I, want, I don't want it to be all like, oh, all the doomsday. What I want to end this is that Jesus cares and Jesus calms. In Mark 4, 38, 39, but he was in the storm asleep on the pillow. 
And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and he rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. You know what, Mom and Dad, it's okay to ask, Jesus, do you care? Are you, are you awake? Do you, like, I know my husband sometimes has said, Lord, you need my zip code, you need my address, like to tell you exactly where I'm living. He's not going to be offended with your questions. But just because Jesus is asleep in your boat doesn't mean that he doesn't care or that he's not even concerned about your life. He knows that the purpose of your storm, he knows the purpose of my storm, is for us, is for him to be able to demonstrate and trust in God so that the little boats can learn to trust God during the storms of their life. Listen, if they don't ever, if they're never taught how to go through storms, what are they going to do when they're now on their own big ship and they've never been taught how we act, how we react, how we bail water correctly? What are all the things that we do during storms? If we're never, if we never teach them, When Jesus calms our storms, he also calms the storms for all those littles around you. Jesus is the prince, he's the authority, he's the peace, and his definition of peace may be different from yours or mine, but he never disappoints. God is not the author of confusion, but he is the God of peace. The peace of God surpasses all understanding. The same calm that came to the disciples also came to all those other little boats. The same prison that opened for Paul and Silas opened for other prisoners as well. So take heart. Jesus is near to all who call upon him and he will never disappoint you. Sometimes God calms the storm. Sometimes he calms the sailor. But in either case, he always comes through for his people. And if you're his, no doubt about it that he is going to come through for you too. If Jesus is present on your raging waters, the presence of Jesus should always be enough to calm you and bring peace even in the storm that rages against you. In the last verse, but he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another. So I I look at this, well, who can this be? Even the wind and seas obey him. I saw this and I was like, okay, so in verse 40, they were fearful and they were afraid. Fearful here means they didn't trust God or have faith that he cared or would save them. So maybe some of you are here today, and maybe you haven't gone through the storms in a way that you're real proud of. Take heart. There's the next verse. Verse 41 says, but then they feared exceedingly, which now means that they reverenced and respected God, realizing he has authority over everything. If you will learn from the disciples' mistakes, you will exchange your fear for faith, knowing that God will bring you safely through the other side He's also going to bring you and all of your little boats behind you. And isn't that what the first verse said? That on the same day when evening had come and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. The take-home truth for today, Church of Omaha, is that we're not on this voyage of life by ourselves. We have an obligation to those on this journey with us. I don't know if we're going to end here or do we... I'm, I'm finished. <laughs> um, That was a bit of a thump. <laughs> Amen. Amen. We're not on this journey alone, are we? Other little ships, other little boats are out there as well. And we have an obligation to them. I wonder if we could just right now reach up to the Lord and begin to pray and thank God for what he has done here today. And then as we're praying, let's pray for all of our moms If they're here, pray for them. If they're away somewhere, let's pray. Jesus, thank you 
for how you've spoke to our hearts today, how you've ministered to us today. God, in both our first and second services, God, you have talked to us, convicted us, converted us, and now let us, Lord, be obedient and apply it. We pray for all of our moms today, God. You would strengthen and bless them. Thank God for them, that they've loved us, that they've been there for us. And we pray you would bless them, Jesus, abundantly and accordingly for all that they've done. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Before we close, I, I want to say um, as well, you know, how much we appreciate all of our ladies. And uh, as we have done many years and will continue to do, um, you know, moms, fur baby moms, uh, you know, all of that. We want all of our ladies uh, to come. We've got something special for you. And, uh, and so we want to give this to them. So why don't we give a big hand to all of our moms? So please, ladies, if you would come and, and get, there's a little uh, special something for each one of you. Uh, in Jesus' name. And God bless all of you. Thank you for being here. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus.